are so glad to be back. Terry and I, we had a long weekend away in Dallas with our uh, middle son and his wife. And after having flown in my life thousands of flights, this was the test that God gave us because we had multiple delays to get there. And in all the flights while I was traveling with Cisco and so on and so forth, I only lost a suitcase once. And it was on the way home, praise God. And it was delivered by 3 a.m. Not so this trip. We arrived, but only to find out our luggage didn't arrive. Now again, we were at our son and daughter-in-law, so no big deal. Except your stuff is your stuff. It's not comfortable to wear other people's clothes. It's not comfortable to have to seek out a toothbrush from somebody else. It was new, folks. <laughs> and then the multiple delays of trying to get it, and then the next day we finally got it, and then our trip home was multiple delays, only to see our baggage being loaded onto the plane, and then Terry goes, why is, our, why is the luggage going in reverse? And I looked out, and sure enough, what had been going up was now coming down. I thought, well, this is kind of strange, only to find out after multiple three hours of delays that they had taken or decided to take the plane out of service. Now, I'm thinking, okay, to be in the best mood here, they're taking it out of service because it was going to crash if we took it up. I'm good with that, yes? That's what I hope. Then only to have them tell us it's going to be a change of gate. Go down here, get on this sky train, and go over to the next gate, and that's where you're going to be. Only to get up the two flights of escalator steps that aren't working, <laughs> and two sets of trains, and those going to the B gates now has been taken out of service. So everybody must get on this set of train. Believe me, the signs of social distance didn't work. But we made it. God is always in control. This morning, I'd like to ask a couple questions. Now, I, I don't, I'm not asking to embarrass, but I want to know who is our, I think I know the answer to this one already. Who is the oldest person here this morning? I think I know. Don't be, don't be shy. Hey, Gene. How many years, Gene? Ninety-one. Amen. How old? Rachel. Rachel, how old? Ninety-two will be ninety-three. Amen. Praise God. That is awesome. For those at home, if you didn't know, we just asked the question, how old? We have Jean is 91 and Rachel is 92, going to be 93. I ask this question because of this. How many years have you been in worship? Whether you're 91 or 92, however old you are, may not determine how long you've been in worship, right? 
Some of you were brought along with mom and dad to worship every Sunday. So you've been there your whole life. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Others came later in life. My question is this. How long have you been in worship? It's not statistically to have you think how many times have you been in a place to worship? Because to look at it that way would be to look at it totally wrong. As has been mentioned already, and as God has ordained in this service, I didn't know what Stan was going to talk about, but he nailed it on the head. I didn't know what Mary Beth was going to use for our worship time or the words that she would speak. Worship should be determined as a life. Because once we find Jesus, our whole life is then in response to worshiping him. Not in trying to make God what we want God to be or to fit in our life. But even those of us in the church seem to be prone to want to do that. We want to make God our God. Oh, he's our God. But we want to go one step further and make him specific to my likes and my wants and my desires and my needs. God never changes according to the word of God. Amen. And neither does his word. It does not change. We do not. Oh, there's revisions of it. I question many of them. The translations are a whole different story. It enables us to get it out to more people. But revisions are a whole different thing. God doesn't need a revised Bible, amen? Because his word as it was given is his word today and will be his word tomorrow. But we want to constantly take his word and to read it, praise God, amen? But then we want to go one step further. We want to take his word and then weed out that stuff that we don't think either applies to us or it's just too rough for us or, oh my gosh, it can't be what God would want me to know. This morning, I want us to look into the Old Testament. Because as we traveled this week and I had time just to think and pray, and if you're reading through the Bible in a year, you should have just completed First Chronicles roughly there about. Or, or, or finishing it up. So if you have your Bibles, turn them on, open them up to the Old Testament, to First Chronicles. Because what I want us to see today is that no matter what I think, no matter what you think, God is God. He has been, is now, and forever will be. It's not an option to change God. And God, according to his word, never changes. And his word, the scriptures, are given to us so that we can learn more about God, so that we can have a deeper relationship with him. Because since he's not here physically in the flesh, he gave us his word so that we could come and foster that relationship with him and know him to the depths of his core by virtue of the scriptures. If people want to know God, you got to read the word of God. Amen? 
Oh, we can see it in other people, yes. But other people can be, be weak or have shortcomings, as we all do. But to know God, we need to know his word. And we need to not only know his word, we need to be willing to read his word and accept who God is and not try to change him to fit today. Sometimes when we read in the Old Testament, I've heard many people say, oh, Mark, you know, oh my gosh, I started reading the Bible and I started reading the Old Testament and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I mean, it was murderous. Mark, have you read the Old Testament? Duh. I get it, though. I mean, we're not talking absent of, of violence or, or justification or righteousness or, or people being held accountable or anything. I mean, there was a swift rule of justice in the Old Testament, amen? And we read that and say, ah, oh, that's the history, Mark. That was in biblical times. Well, what do you think we're living in today? We're still in biblical times. We're living out the rest of the story, wherever we are on that timeline. Folks, open up, wake up, realize that the Bible is still happening today. We're in the latter part back in here, but it's still happening today, and you and I are a part of that. But we read the Old Testament, we're thinking, oh, man, that's not the God. I, I, I thought God was love. Well, he is. So what do we do? We try to take this Old Testament and, and even into the New Testament, we try to, to mold it and soften it and, and, and squeeze it and, and make it be okay with me. And for me to be okay with it, God didn't write it for us to be okay with it. He wrote it to teach us who he was and to know him in a very personal, relational way so that we would then follow him. Today we're going to read one of those passages where you're just kind of going, boy, God, that was pretty rough. You know, cool, cool out. Did he deserve that? Let's read 1 Chronicles chapter 13. Now let me set the stage. David has become king. And, and his kingdom has grown, and God has blessed him, even within his faults. And so the Ark of the Covenant, remember a few weeks ago we talked about the book of the law being misplaced, or just being put on a shelf somewhere, and then all of a sudden somebody finds it in King Josiah's reign? Remember that, that time we talked about that? Well, the Ark of the Covenant wasn't lost, but it was taken to somebody's home for safekeeping, you might say. And now David has it upon his heart that he needs to get the ark back and put it in a rightful place. Now, if we go ahead and read some of these chapters in here in 1 Chronicles, we find out David had a desire to build a, a temple for the ark, but God spoke to him and said, no, 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 David, you're not the one to build this temple. And David actually was feeling guilty because all of these great palaces and places for him to live were being built, and he's kind of going, I'm receiving all of this, and yet the Ark of the Covenant is, is not in a temple. It's mostly living in a tent. And so out of the goodness of David's heart, he's going, this should be a good thing. And all of a sudden, God says, nope, not you, David. You're not going to build the temple. He goes, you can get ready. 
You can help prepare, but one of your sons will build the temple. You, there's just been too much stuff in your life. I don't want you to, you're not the right person. But Solomon will come as your son in a time of peace, and he, it will be his task to build the temple. And so David didn't throw a fit. He just kind of backed off, and, but he knew he would need to help Solomon. So he started to accumulate the materials to build this temple. All right? So in the haste of all of this, David says, gets the leaders together and says, hey, we need to get the ark back here so that, so that when this temple's built, it's ready. All right? So let's read of the first attempt here in verses 7 through 10 of chapter 13 of 1 Chronicles about this first attempt. They carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadad, and Uzzah and Aha drove the cart. David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, even with songs and with lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, and with trumpets. When they came to the threshing floor of Kidon, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark because the oxen nearly upset it. The anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, so he struck him down because he put out his hand to the ark, and he died there before God. Rough. Rough. I mean, the first reading of this, you're kind of going, oh, Lord. He was just, Uzzah was just trying to help. But we need to read on to find some thoughts about this. Let's go on over to 1 Corinthians, or 1 Chronicles, I'm sorry, chapter 15, if you'll turn there. First Chronicles, chapter 15, beginning in verse 13. So they reassess, let me give you a little background, they reassess, David was very angry that Uzzah was struck down. So they reassess of how they're going to do this, and they just kind of stop. And David brings all the leaders together again, and, and, and some things go on, and, and, but he still has the intention of bringing the ark back. But David seeks wisdom, and God speaks. We don't see that in here, but we know that David was a man after God's own heart, and so we see that relationship and the maturity of David's faith. So in verse 13, because you did not carry it at the first, the Lord our God made an outburst on us, for we did not seek him according to the ordinance. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. The sons of the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles therein as Moses had commanded according to the word of God. Then David spoke to the chiefs of the Levites to appoint their relatives, the singers, with instruments of music, harps, lyres, loud-sounding cymbals, to raise the sounds of joy. And as we read this, they then continued on this journey successfully to bring the ark back. Well, what's the difference? What's the big difference, Mark? They loaded it on a cart, we would say, versus 
They carried it by poles themselves, the priests. And as it's alluded to in verse 15, it says, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. If we remember our Old Testament earlier on, God was very specific about the the tent of meeting. He was very specific about sacrifices. He was very specific about the Ark of the Covenant and how it was to be built and how it would look and what would go in it, right down to the final details, to the measurements of all of this. And he was very specific about how the Ark of the Covenant would be transported. Remember that? In earlier chapters of the Old Testament. In the haste of wanting to move the ark, remembrance of God's commands was forgotten. And in haste of wanting to do what they thought was right, they did it their way. And for a little while that worked. Until those crazy oxen got a little unsure-footed, and Uzzah, out of the goodness of his heart, reached out to stop so the ark wouldn't fall, and touched it. And he was struck dead. Many non-Christians would look at that and go, see, Mark, the God you proclaim to be a God of love isn't a God of love. How could he kill this man who was trying to help? But the message is deeper. It's not about the surface level event that took place. But rather it's to drive us deeper into understanding who God is and what he expects of you and I today. He does not need to be remade, shall I repeat. He does not need to be changed or adjusted to fit in the world in which we live today, no matter if it's the 20th century or the 30th century or whatever. God was, is, and always will be. God's word is unchangeable. We must accept God and read and see how he wants us to be. And the message I want to share with you today is that there is nothing wrong with God. Not a thing. He's perfect. He's perfect beyond you and me saying it. He's perfect whether I think it or not. But he sure don't need my help to be God. And he don't delegate anything of being God to anybody else. And he is not hidden from us. And he does not hide the fact that he is justified, he is righteous, that there is a heaven and a hell. There's a right and a wrong. There are absolute truths. He doesn't hide that from us. No matter how easy or hard that is for us to accept. God expects us to worship him. Amen? It's not, oh, I get up this morning and feel like worshiping God. Well, that's not what he expects. He demands obedience from all of us. And if that obedience does not occur, there are going to be penalties. There are going to be consequences. Already we see the consequences of sin before our very eyes. Because we have not stood up to be all that God wanted us to be. 
and wants us to be. Therefore, sin has run rampant in the world in which we live. Oh, it's not like it wasn't there before, believe me. God is a God of love. But he loves us so much that he knows we'll need discipline. We'll need teachings. We'll need encouragement. And we need to see the bare consequences of disobedience. And he's praying that one of those facets or all of them together will drive us to strive to be the obedient person, child of God that he wants us to be. Because he loves us. And sometimes for some of us, it's only the punishment that speaks. Amen? How many of you ever had that happen in your life? Your parents told you ten times not to do it. Not to do it. They probably told you nine times too many. But all of a sudden, if you do it, this is what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, you broke the rubber band. And exactly what they said was going to happen, happened. And you're kind of going, Mom! surprise were you not listening but isn't it how our world is today oh oh if you do that this is going to happen and it does it happens oh if, if but we don't we don't we don't follow up amen i'm here to tell you this morning if you didn't know god follows up there are going to be consequences to pay if we're not already paying them right now but i'm going to tell you what the consequences are going to get heated and it's only going to get tougher. The longer we seem to want to desire to remain in sin, the more the consequences are going to be. Why? Not because he's mean, but because God loves us. And he desires that all would come to know him. And that all would accept his gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, so that we might all live in eternity with him. That's his desire. And if he has to reach it, by consequences and punishment, he'll do it by golly. We see it over the course of all of the scriptures. We don't have to understand the depths of the details, but what we need to see in God's word is that he is a God of his word. What we see, what we have to see of God's word is that he is a God of his word. Folks, we, we need a warning label, maybe right before this sermon or, or, or just in front of us all the time. The warning label is this. Continue down the path of disobedience, and God will, there will be punishment. It's true. The ultimate punishment we know, for those that never accept, after hearing the gospel message, a relationship with Jesus Christ who came, who was crucified, who died, was buried, and rose again so that we could have eternal life. If we don't accept that and allow that to be a part of our lives and then, and then be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins and for the gift of the Holy Spirit, then, folks, we deserve what we get at the end because it's not like he hasn't told us. The message I want to share with you this morning is this. God's word is God's word. Don't write some of it off as history and, oh, it'll never happen. It may not happen just like this. But look at the depths of the detail of God's word. 
We learn through this passage, as horrible as it might seem, that God is a God of his word. He didn't hide how this ark was supposed to be moved. He told them, they wrote it down and everything else. They had done it before. I'm sure he loved Uzzah just as much as anybody else. But out of his love, there were consequences. Now, I don't want to end this on a down note. All right? So if you, ch- if you follow me over to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, they successfully got it moved. Now, it's in a tent, all right, because they have to wait until Solomon comes around and builds the temple. But at the end of this, this thing that happened, these events of moving this, there is an incredible song of thanksgiving. In fact, so much that they, David appointed a whole group, group of family, that their sole responsibility of life was to bring thanksgiving to God. Now, wow, wouldn't that be all you have to do every day of every waking hour? All you have to do is just thank God. That, what, what a job. But really, was it? But we read about it here in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 16, beginning in verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his wonderful deeds which he has done. His marvels and the judgments from his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servants, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac, he also confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give you the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. When they were only a few in number, very few, and strangers in it, and they wandered about from nation to nation, And from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no man to oppress them, and he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Do not touch my appointed ones, and do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord and all the earth. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is also he also is to be feared above all gods for all the gods of the peoples are idols but the Lord made the heavens splendor and majesty are before him strength and joy are in his place ascribe to the Lord O families of the peoples ascribe to the Lord glory and strength ascribe to the Lord the glory due do his name Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in holy array. Tremble before him all the earth. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult in all that is in it. Then the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. 
familiar words now in the next few verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His loving kindness is everlasting. Then say, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather us and deliver us from the nations. To give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting. And to end, then all the people said, Amen. But they didn't leave it at Amen. Read the rest of the verse. And praise the Lord. You see, sometimes on Sunday morning we say Amen. Everybody thinks that's it. We're good. Let's go. Hurry to the restaurant. I'm telling the truth, aren't I? Right? It is. Let's just be truthful. Then all the people said, Amen. And praise the Lord. We don't have a choice to change God. Contrary to what our world tells us. There has been, there is today, and there will be only but one God. It's the God that we, we come to know through Jesus and through his word. All of it. The stuff that we don't understand or we think, man, God was having a bad day. No, he wasn't. He just knows how important it is for you and I to follow in true obedience so that we can be with him so that we can spend eternity in heaven with him, praising him and giving him all the glory and praise and everything else. Life is way beyond what you and I see as today and tomorrow and so on and so forth. Life is forever. But there's also a flip side of that, and for those who choose not to choose God. The reality of Uzzah's faith, even out of the best of heart, being disobedient, there was a consequence. Guys, whether it's 91 or 92 or 20 or 15 or just an hour, we need to understand the depth of responsibility for all of us, individually, individually, you, before God, because that's how it's going to be. Because the choices and paths you take now have consequences. Blessing or curse. But it's time to, to think about that. And that's the direction God is giving us as a church. As if we no longer just play feel good. Not that we have. But that we put even more emphasis on the totality of the word of God. And the reality. How's, how's that? Totality and reality of the word of God. That if I'm heading down the wrong path or making wrong choices, I need to think again. I need to understand that God's just not going, oh, Mark, he's a good, Mark's a good guy. He's done a lot of good things, and I'll just not look at that. I, I'm going to take the attitude of, I'm going to think about Uzzah. 
And we could give more examples of those who blatantly disobeyed God. And they came to suffer the consequences of disobedience to God. Because as much as we don't want to think it applies, it does. Every one of us it applies to. And waiting till the final judgment is not the time to come to that realization.